This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 223, recorded on July 23rd, 2015. T-10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff, the final liftoff of Eclipse. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios. In a pretty warm, we were just talking about that in the pre-show, pretty warm Bellevue, Nebraska. Got a little ultimate frisbee in today. It was pretty hot, about 30 minutes, and it's all we could do. Of course, we post the show notes for this show, and actually, so for the last two shows, if you're a longtime listener, or even if you just started listening, um, I've actually started writing show notes, so you might want to Take a peek at those. If you're doing this on your phone, uh, this, all the show notes are there. You can just flip over to the screen, you know, flip over to the show notes side on your Android or iPhone device. Click on, actually take a look at them. I like your feedback. For the longest time, I was just giving you the links, but uh, I don't know, something got into me, and I've actually been writing some stuff. So head out and check out the show notes because those are posted out at theaverageguy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, you can of course contact the show. Send me an email, Jim at theaverageguy.tv. You can track me down on Twitter. Just add Jay Collison, and now you can call on those questions. I'll give this number maybe one more time, 402-478-8450, and I'll play those questions. And actually, we have a question from uh, Kyle, and we'll play that at the very end of the program tonight. TheAverageGuy.tv is powered by Maple Grove Partners Web Hosting. It's secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people you know and trust, which is Christian. Actually, I've been working with Christian over the last couple of weeks, making a lot of upgrades there at Maple Grove Partners. If you're looking for a website, a blog would be a perfect thing, even if you're a podcaster looking to do something different. Check out Maple Grove Partners, maplegrovepartners.com. Christian's cheapest plan is 10 bucks, and it's a pretty good deal, so give it a, give it a try. I also want to thank Roger over at WLMN Radio. Of course, uh, WLMN broadcasts us weekly, wlmradio.com, and we want to thank Roger over there for that as well. Broadcasting in Grafton, West Virginia, and of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts out at the geeksnetwork.com. All right, we have got an interesting show tonight, and uh, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, I have Edward Weininger on here to talk a little bit about Bitcoin. And Edward, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Edward, I met Edward at Infotech uh, 2015. We have a video out on the uh, the Average Guy YouTube channel. If you want to just go search uh, Bitcoin, yeah, just search Bitcoin and Infotech, and actually that'll that'll pop up be the first one for you. Edward and I spend about 20 minutes or so together talking about Bitcoin, and in that interview, I said to him, "Man, I got to get you on my show to talk about this." And so, Edward, thanks for coming back and uh, and being a part of uh, of the podcast tonight. Want to dig in on Bitcoin, but before we do that, let's let's learn a little bit about you, so so the audience hasn't ever met you before, because most of them probably didn't watch that video in advance, even though I told them to do that. So let's know. Let's hear a little bit about you. Who you are, where you're from, education background, those kinds of things. All right. So I uh, uh, I graduated from Creighton Prep here in Omaha, uh, '97, and. Spent some time in college, never wound up with a degree, but uh, wound up starting uh, an IT uh, company and been doing that for about 11 years now. So I am, you know, techie, gadgety, um, and uh, so then along at some point in 2013, middle of 2013, I uh, was looking around online and discovered Bitcoin and started to investigate what, what it was. I, I saw a chart where there was a, uh, 
a rise from like 80 to 80 to 200 dollars uh, during that summer, and wanted to figure out how to how to get involved in that uh, profit taking, and uh, so that started my uh, started me down the rabbit hole, and so I've been in it for about two years now, and started a uh, formed our LLC at the end of 20. Uh, I want to say the end of 20. Uh, I don't remember now. 2013 or 2014 was when we started the company, and we uh, consult, um, uh, do some trading, and provide uh, uh, services uh, for retail and people who want to accept Bitcoin. Yeah, very cool. And you're here in Omaha, right? That is correct. Yep. Yeah, whereabouts? Where, if I was in the Omaha, we get all of a sudden. I'm starting to find out we have a whole bunch of Omaha listeners. Right. Where are your offices at here in town? In Papillion. So oh, okay. Down, yep. Down, down, down in County. Are you in Old Town Papillion? Nope, uh, across from the Sam's Club. Oh, okay. New Sam's Club. Yeah, yeah, not very cool. Well, it's funny as I've done more of the Infotech. I'm starting. To, the reason is, I, you guys, most of you guys are local when we do those conferences, and so uh, I'm pulling in more local folks. Mike Weger, they're asking in chat. You know what happened to Mike or the Apple guy? So my co-host, Mike Weger. He's, uh, he's our Apple guy, uh, the one guy in the community that talks uh, Mac and Apple and all that stuff. And so he would normally be here with me tonight. He took the night off. So that's where uh, that's why you're not hearing Mike tonight, guys. I'm out there as well. So, you know, for me, I remember Bitcoin a couple years ago, three, four, five years ago. It seemed like it was the Wild West, right? Everybody was mining Bitcoins, and we're going to make tons of money, and this is going to be awesome. I, let me let's start with some basics. What is Bitcoin and what is the value of Bitcoin? I mean, where did it come from? Why does it exist? And where's the value in it? Sure. So uh, the white paper was written, published 2009 by uh, Satoshi Nokomoto, who nobody knows who he is. Uh, so he wrote this this entity or character, published this paper, and then kind of disappeared off the map uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, so he wrote the paper that that gave the uh, gave the solution to what's called the four generals problem that basically says that I can that you can transmit value and keep what's now known as the public ledger that enables everybody to be on the same page in regards to who owns what property in this case it's basically money um, and so so that was uh, written and and part of that, whole scheme was to uh, that everybody has to or there are, there has to be a certain number of miners that all are are all uh, doing math in order to come up to a consensus of what the current uh, uh, what the current balances are in everybody's account essentially if, if you want to think of it that way so I had a miner back or I actually I initially started when I found out about it it was so it was still in the stage where I, you could actually mine with a, a CPU or a, a, a graphics card. So I briefly mined with one or the other, I don't remember which, and, and I had a wallet on that computer and um, realized a couple years later that when I had, when that computer had been done away with, that I had I lost that wallet. And <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot on there. But um, Is that money gone then? I mean, because you, you generated value, right, in that? So is it exit out of the system? Is it gone? It, it is essentially gone, yes. So um, there are, you know, 14 million Bitcoins in existence today that have been mined. And so, um, but some of those, there's a likelihood that they have just disappeared. Um, and so then you're dealing with the, diff the one of the similarities between gold and Bitcoin is that there is a depleting quantity. So there's, um, so that would... Uh, you know, in the opposite would would be true, which the value would then go up is one of the uh, inherent uh, applications or 
Uh, yeah, I think that was a common misconception that I had is that you were generating these were just this could be numbers that could be generated and would go on forever. Right. But the 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 number generation piece has a finite number. Is is that like twenty one million? Is yep. that the yep, is right. that the, the amount? And it takes a certain amount of effort to generate each one of these, and it gets harder and harder and harder, right? So why can't I today? PCs are getting, right, Moore's Law is making PCs faster and faster. Why can't I still mine on the desktop today? So there's, there's, they're not built, uh, CPUs, GPUs, to some degree GPUs still are, but they're not really built to uh, do the calculations that are necessary for the mining. So, I mean, you really could, it would take a long time. They have, as Moore's Law now applies to the, um, the die size of the ASICs, which are the chips that now, are built specifically to solve these math algorithms, so or cryptographic algorithms. So, uh, so we're down to like 14 nanometers in the ASIC mining world, and that started, you know, back at 26 nanometers or whatever a couple of years ago, and that's been uh, going down. So, uh, so the technology has been improving and evolving, but CPUs and GPUs just aren't meant to handle it. So, it's just too complex of a math problem for them to do it in. In an efficient amount of time, right? That's really what the problem is. Yes, yes. Is that it, you're burning power, yep. you're generating something that has value, and you have to equal like. So if you had if you had free power, let's just say for example, if yeah. if I if I live near Niagara Falls, yeah, then it would be okay. I could generate them that way. It wouldn't matter how long it would take. Although it would, if it's taking years, that wouldn't make any sense, right? From that standpoint, yep. would it literally take years now to calculate because it's gotten more and more complicated? In some degree, to some yeah, in some instances it would yeah. I mean you, uh, uh, so you, so the 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 idea that taking a step back here just so we can, uh, but the idea is that when when that money disappears out of the pool, um, one I, I recently read an article and they refer to it as uh, uh, money for adults is what they called it because it really is you have to be responsible to some degree because you are responsible for your own your own money and and there are ways to help with that or or ways to uh, uh, resolve that um, through third parties, but then you lose the inherent uh, ownership of it, which is one of the for the purists. That's one of the biggest uh, values. Yeah, and so the value in a Bitcoin is really one because there's a limited number of them, and everybody agrees that this this one bit is going to equal this dollar amount, whatever that is, or whatever, because it can be bought in multiple currencies, right? I mean, Bitcoin yep. can be bought and traded in multiple. This, is every currency um, represented in Bitcoin right now as no, far as being able to buy them? Yeah, so, I mean, there's obviously some obscure Caribbean island currencies that are not. I For the Dominican Republic, even, um, you know, I have some associations there, and there is not a uh, – there was just now coming online an exchange that you could buy in whatever their denomination is or whatever their currency is. Yeah, and so, but for the most part, right? I can get a Bitcoin if I wanted to buy into Bitcoin today. Yes, I could do that um, pretty easily. Oh, yeah. We we talked a little bit about so when we get to value, right? I think of value in 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 two different ways: the gold standard, which for the long time in the United States, the dollar was backed by the gold standard. The dollar today, which is really backed by the good faith and credit of the United States of America. A lot of a lot of um, countries are in this bit, but Bitcoin. Which system is it? Is it a is it a credit system? Is it a gold system? How, how does that work? 
So there have been credit institutions established on it or around it, um, meaning I could borrow money, I could borrow Bitcoin right now based on um, basically a credit rating that has been established um, by a third party, but again, that is uh, relying on a third party. So it, 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 uh, inherently it is a... Um, I'm not. I'm neither an economist nor a. Uh, 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 as I, as you heard earlier, a, a, a real engineer in terms of CPUs and GPUs. But uh, so the idea is that that the ledger is there's a one-to-one -one value between if I own one Bitcoin, you do not, um, and so uh, there is no credit involved in that. So. Yeah, the system though is really backed by. There's nothing that's backed by, right? Except people agreeing that these are this is the value, right? That is, that is, yeah. And and I will say that it, the question is, why are there 21 million? Why does it? Why is it every 10 minutes that one is released? Um, and those really are. That is just the way that Satoshi Nakamoto wrote the paper, and that's the way that the code was written originally. And so that's the way it is. Um, so essentially, now everybody has come to accept that and agree that that is those are the those are the terms everybody's willing to play by essentially. So but it could have been something different, right? I mean, it, it, yep, certainly. There was a, a number of 21 million. You know, yep. when Vint Cerf uh, put the internet in place, and then uh, they did IPv4, and they thought at the time, you know, whatever that works out, does it's it's, it's like a million billion numbers, right? And we'll never run out of these numbers. It's 1977, right? Never run out of these numbers. And yet today we're talking about IP6, and you know because it, it houses so much. Do you see a time if if because you said 14 million of the 21 million, two thirds have been mined to this point, right? Yep. Well, could there be a time if this really catches on when we mine the other 21 million that we'd have to say, well, I'm gonna have to do something different because we've run out. So the quantity is not in question. What is in question to some degree is if you pay attention to Bitcoin at all, there is a raging debate right now of um, how how quickly does a, a block, not quickly in time units, but how, how big is a block? And um, so right now, if you, uh, for those of your listeners that want to really dive into this a little bit, right now a block is essentially one uh, megabyte. So every... Uh, some of these terms are going to mix up, but every 10 minutes, you're basically passing, you're adding one megabyte to the entire uh, to the blockchain, which is which is essentially the ledger, which is essentially a text file. It's just raw data that gets passed around the world. So, so the question is, um, should we up that to every to 20 megabytes is the proposed value, so that every 10 minutes there will be a 20 megabyte addition. And the advantage there is that you can process more transactions because right now there is a, a the argument goes that there's a speed limitation because you can only process so many transactions within a given amount of time. And so they're saying that that could get overwhelmed as time goes on and as more transactions happen. Now the up now this 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 what you asked and what I'm saying touches on another thing is that there are miners fees. So one of the incentives in the entire system is that these miners who are who have this specialized hardware and are just solving algorithms, these miners get a a. A f they get paid a fee for doing that service by the entire network. So the idea is that after 2140, which is going to be when all 21 million bitcoins are mined in 2140, in 2140, like 2140 like the year 2140. Yes, that's so, right. So it's a that's like a math equation that yep. holds true no matter yep. what. Doesn't yep. matter what we do. Yep. It's going to take us another hundred and 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 yep. know, 20 years or so. 
to mine all these. Yeah. Okay. So at the end, they're just going to be kind of dribbling out. Like nobody is ever really going to get Bitcoin at the end. And so, um, but when that is all done, the the system continues to move and operate. And because these miners' fees are in place, that the miners don't care about necessarily getting a Bitcoin for solving the problem or 25, but they do get a they do get miners' fees. And so if you're getting 0.01 fee every 0.01 Bitcoin every 10 minutes, and a Bitcoin is worth you know $10,000. That's pretty good money and should cover your electric costs. So that's the idea: is that these okay. miners' fees will keep it going. And and the reason so we we generated 14 million Bitco, Bitcoins in what we've been doing this now for yeah six uh, 2009 so six years yeah. Okay, so six years we get to 14 million. You're telling me seven million or more. Is going to take us more than a hundred years to get to. Is that that is, is that correct? Yeah, there was a chart. I don't have it to pull up for you, but I, I can post it. There's a chart that has the. And that's just because it gets more and more complicated to that's create right. the the encryption. Yep. To to encrypt, I'm using the wrong terminology, but these what do they call it? Solve the algorithm essentially, or to yeah. yeah. Okay. So that also there's an there's an important piece there because um and well expand the conversation a little bit, but you, you saw about uh, a month ago that Greece was having issues, etc., obviously, and so the price of Bitcoin, for whatever reason, was rising at the same time. Um, now, in in about six months, I want to say it's six months, there will be a, a change in the dip in the reward for Bitcoin uh, for the so what will happen is right now every 10 minutes there is a distribution of 21 uh, of 25, sorry, bitcoins for the the person who solves that problem. In about six months, I think it is that changes to 12.5 bitcoins. And so, what you what'll happen? What'll be a real test of the Bitcoin ecosystem is: Does the value of Bitcoin raise in order to match the fact that now miners will be receiving less quantity because they are going to want to then boost the price because they're going to say, "Well, I'm only getting half, so now the value should be $500." Because I'm going, I want to make the same amount because I've still got to cover the same amount of costs. So a Bitcoin should go up to $500 from 250 or 275 today, um, because you only get half as much when you're mining now. It's interesting because the analogy isn't too much different than like physical mining in a lot of yeah. ways. Because mm -hmm. you know we have gotten to the point across around the world where getting gold or silver or what copper. Out of the out of the ground has gotten is getting increasingly, and we think about oil too, right? They're now we're doing fracking, which is costing more, right? Those kinds of things, and so it gets to the returns, the the actual mining output is less, and so miners are getting less. Although today the price of metals is rocketing uh, at this point, and so there's some value. Although those like any commodity, uh, is it a currency? Is it a commodity? What, so, which one is it? Yeah. So yeah, talking about the gold standard and stuff. So the there is a difference because once obviously we separate ourselves from the gold standard, that that leaves everything kind of open to manipulation. So I would say Bitcoin is different in that regard, and that there is not this. While there could obviously be chart manipulation in the price, you can't manipulate at the at the core of it. You can't manipulate the uh, the the ratio of what's out there available to uh, what the value of that entire pot is because you can't get in there and dink around with the numbers and uh, you know change the price of the, the barrel of oil or anything to make the dollar go up or anything like that so anyways um, 
So is it a commodity or is it a currency? Um, it is, if I go to uh, Jones Brothers Cupcakes and I buy a cupcake there, I, it is a uh, currency. If I, if I want to um, buy, and, buy and, and sell and make a couple bucks, I would say it's a commodity at that point. So, um, but you, you also trade, you know, you can also exchange the, the dollar against the, um, against the euro, so you can trade currencies as well. I get that, but but yeah. those are all the concepts that it, that are all wrapped into this one thing, and uh, that's kind of a large part of why people have trouble wrapping their head around it all. Yeah, and let's not make any mistake. The dollar is not a fixed currency, right? I mean, it yeah. fluctuates around the globe. Yep. We see it as that way because we live in this country that it's not changing, although... Try, I mean, watch the price of things, right? Inflation is that reaction to the dollar's value uh, as we buy and sell uh, units of things from overseas as they come in. And so the dollar moves around quite a bit as well, right? So I've heard uh, one of the things that stuck in my head early on was that, you know, some economist was talking and saying that, you know, essentially you can't run or it's just a bad idea to run a run an economy on a deflationary currency, the, the idea is that nobody wants to buy anything until the next day because it will always be cheaper the next day. Uh, and so that always stuck in my head. But, but the interesting thing about that is you, you look at the, 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 I mean, if you look at, yeah, if you look at the value of Bitcoin, that doesn't necessarily hold true because if your, your Bitcoin goes up, you, you don't, Anyways, it, it wavers enough right now, at least, that you don't want to know. And eventually, it might stabilize a little bit, but uh, um, you just got to keep an eye on it. So Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the price because it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm at Coindesk.com, and I have the, the, the price of Bitcoin or the, or the value of Bitcoin running all the way back to 2011. Uh, in 2000, in early 2011, about 75 cents for Bitcoin. It, it rides for a year or two. 2013, it's at $13.41. We begin to see, which I think is what you're reflecting, we begin to see some movement in that in late 2003. And then it rockets, right? So the peak would have been somewhere in, let's say, November of 2013, not too long ago. Yep. It peaks at $979, right? A little bit like gold like gold in the 80s. <laughs> you know, where it got really, or gold right now, actually, is pretty expensive. But and now it's it's begun a steady decline, right? Today's price is about 275 although... Like you say, there's no market limiters on Bitcoin, right? It doesn't. The markets don't close on Bitcoin. That is it's correct. It's traded 24/7, right? So yep. it could even be fluctuating right now. Yes, that is and correct. And I think actually, when we first started the show, it was 275.60, and I just refreshed it, and now it's 275.40. Yep. The general overall trend, Edward, has been down. I mean, since 2013, it's been on its way down. Now it's stabilized and and it's leveled out in the two 250 between 250 and 300. Does that concern you at all that it's it's kind of leveled out, or is that good for Bitcoin? I, I would say it's good. I think it's uh, um, it is something that you want to you you don't uh, the the ups and the downs lead to speculation and lead to more of the concern of like it is volatile. I think if we see it steady out and we see the ability for me to uh, send somebody in Africa you know, $100 for the the beads they sent me that I, I, I have a better idea that is going to reach them at about the same value. And I don't feel like I'm out because I sent them this money. Now it's, all of a sudden it's it's going up drastically. Um, I feel like we have a more even exchange of uh, goods and services. So I think the value, I think the, the stabilization is a good thing. I think that if you, I, you know, I think I mentioned this in our previous uh, uh, video, but if, if you look at a chart from, 
essentially day one or when it started to accumulate value to today, if you draw a line, just a linear line, and you take out all that mess in November 2013, you actually hit, my in my chart I had 275 as the number. And if you follow that even farther and say the price is going to double in six months or so, and you say, okay, every so and so, any so many years it's going to stay on that linear path, you wind up with like $550 in the next couple of years, which again goes to my point where it's going to double. And so, um, so I think it is fairly linear, uh, except for that craziness, which I would I would say, I have two theories, everybody has their theory, nobody really knows. Um, I think uh, there was one that China was really getting into it at that point, and there's, uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, there was a lot of just, uh, what do you call it, just tribal thinking. Spe in the well, there's spec a lot of speculative, I mean, a lot of hype. I mean, yes. The right. the curve. This is the technology adoption curve as we look at it, right? It yeah. it yep. peaks, it dips, it yep. comes back at a more reasonable level, right? I mean, yep. we see this we see this movement all the time in technology. I, I don't. It doesn't surprise me. The problem with that though is that if you look in May 2014, you wind up there is that there's that hype cycle too, and then it keeps yeah. going down. So. Yeah. I, Right. That's why I think it. I think with with stuff like Greece happening and stuff like that recent, I think that is why we're more more likely at a a, a steady level right now versus yeah. back then. No, I see. So as I'm looking at it, if you go to CoinDesk.com/slash/price, that's that you can get the price for Bitcoin right there. And I see what you mean about if you took a linear line and you drew it from let's just say um, early 2013, January 2013, and you put it to today's price, it actually the last six months are normal when you yep. look at it, right, from that standpoint. They follow this growth pattern. The spike is a little bit of speculation there. Likewise, if you take a line from the very peak and you draw it down, it's a pretty smooth curve this yep. way, right? It's, it mm -hmm. makes that pretty smooth little dip as we, as we think about Yep. The technology adoption curve. I know it's called something else. I don't really need to learn. Gartner. It. It's the Gartner hype cycle. The, that's exactly what it yeah. is. And so I call it the technology, you know, uh, mm -hmm. adoption because that's how almost all technology is adopted. When we think about that, so it, so as I look at this, right? I, logically, I'm thinking, okay. So if we, if you're telling me, and so it's two. What do we say? Two seventy five today. And you're saying if that line follows a trend, it could be, it would be 500. When? What's the what do the numbers say? What's the well, math say? My number, I said two years just on that linear path, but that did not really that did not somehow that would have to factor in the difficulty change. Um, and so so the difficulty change bumps it up to who knows 350. It keeps on its steady progress, and you go from 350 to 500 in the next year and a half. Next year and a half after that, basically something like that is just a scenario. Just yeah. keeps going up uh, well, linearly. From an investment standpoint, why wouldn't I put a couple? You know, why wouldn't I buy a hundred dollars a month worth of Bitcoin and use it as an investment? If again, it has no better or worse luck than the than the stock market in the United States right yep. now. Yep. As I say that to you, now you're in the you're in the hype cycle yourself. So people would say you're a little suspect, right? Because you're working <laughs> all the time, right? Yeah. But yeah. is that a is that a smart or is that a is that the wrong use of Bitcoin? Um. No, I think it certainly is a good use of Bitcoin. There's a um, there were there's 
there was an ETF or the one fund that came out that that uh, on the market. Uh, I believe it has like a twenty-five thousand dollar minimum. There was um, there was another one that was going to be more of a strictly more of a simplistic ETF that you could have bought into, hold held held a Bitcoin equivalent in your 401k or in your uh, uh, TD Ameritrade uh, portfolio without having to mess with opening a Coinbase account and scandalous act, you know, actors and stuff like that. So, um, so that would have been, you know, if you are, if you want to play as a contrarian or, you know, scared about Greece, stuff like that, like it would have been a certainly logical and, and uh, safe, meaning that you're going through TD Ameritrade, a safe uh, way to um, invest in Bitcoin. So. Yeah. Interesting. I want to. I want to. Um, I had a misconception when I first when I first talked to you about Bitcoin. I had always kind of thought of it as a currency to take over currencies. In 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 the interview that we did, you kind of taught me something different. And I think when we think about what Bitcoin does best, like today, what is it best for? I thought you had a really good answer for that. So as we think about the trading around the world, what is that today? What's Bitcoin really best at? I I would say. Um... Like I said, in the DR, there's you can't get from Bitcoin to the DR, the Dominican Republic concurrency, uh, right now. But I think when you can someday, then it it makes a very easy way for me to pay whatever uh, five cents essentially, and I can send money to the Dominican Republic. They go to a uh, exchange or a local gas station, and they can convert that Bitcoin from their mobile phone to a to cash. So you could quickly inject a large quantity of money into Haiti would be a better example without having to go through any of the nonprofits and you wind up getting money directly to the people that need it and bypass all this bureaucracy and the dictatorships and stuff like that so uh, that is it is certainly democratizing money in that regard yeah this was a new lesson because I think every time especially Americans as we go after Bitcoin and there's a it's just re being reflected a little bit in chat right now we kind of go why our system works great. It doesn't fluctuate as it does, but it doesn't fluctuate as much. It's backed by the good faith and credit of the United States, which is a little scary uh, when you think about where we are at financially as a country. But it's still it's still very very stable, right? There's still a lot of numbers here in the U.S. that make the U.S. economy make sense in a lot of way. But when you talked about transferring funds, right, especially internationally, all of a sudden the light came on for me because. Today, if you've ever, and I was a banker for a lot of years, if you ever try and move money anywhere outside your own country, now maybe the EU is a little different, but it's a nightmare, and it's expensive. When I traveled to Germany, I got cleaned sometimes trying to, trying to change money, right? Trying to change that money. What you're telling me, a Bitcoin essentially takes out that middleman, makes that transfer more efficient and less costly. Is that right? That is, yep. I mean, you can send money to anybody essentially that has a mobile phone. It doesn't even have to be a smartphone. There are systems and tools in place that it could be a dumb phone and you could still receive your Bitcoin. Yeah, and in today, that could be Germany, that could be Anywhere, yep. the UK, that could be Russia, that could yep. be in China, that could be in Australia. I'm just thinking about the countries that we work in. I work in for Gallup, right? Just this week, I did phone calls in Australia and in Singapore and in India. Um, all three of those countries, Bitcoin's accepted. Well, I, I would have access to it, right? Sing Singapore, Singapore likes Bitcoin. Um, they're a fintech hub, so they do a lot of fin financial technology and banking, obviously. And they are, uh, they're, they, they enjoy playing with Bitcoin. Um, now, I'll give you two examples of what we're talking about. One is uh, the Gates Foundation. Bill Gates uh, recently put out a grant um, award to just to 
learn about how uh, currency would work, a mobile currency or mobile, uh, basically mobile currencies would work in, in Africa. And I, I didn't think or I didn't know if you would award that to a Bitcoin company or somebody that was more in, uh, interested in just trying to be the new Microsoft money, essentially, um, which that name's already been used, obviously. But um, so <laughs> um, I used that software a long time ago. <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, but but he so but they wound up actually they awarded it to a Bitcoin company, and so the the Gates Foundation put a hundred thousand dollars into um, learning how uh, Bitcoin could and should uh, be used in Africa um, as a way of moving into a, a focus on economy um, uh, and economic value there for them so uh, and then the other one is there was a conference in um, in uh, California recently that focused on Chinese investment in real estate in the United States they have been pretty voracious in, in making those purchases recently but one of the Bitcoin came up as a topic and was presented as if you need to move money this is a way to do it from China into the United States to purchase um, real estate assets and so I mean, both those things are you know a way that it's going to improve transaction of, and transmission of money is and remitting is what you'll hear referred to mostly as uh, international remittances is sending money back and forth so yeah it does that very very well I mean from that standpoint it's cost-effective you, you bring up a great point in Africa. That country is a mess. And you mentioned um, the democratization. In other words, governments can or can't get involved in Bitcoin, right? I mean, this is can can a government step in and take over pieces of this to say, no, we're going to take this over? How does that work? There was recently a guy that posted, or anonymous as guy or girl, I don't remember, but they were anonymous, but they posted a picture of a Bitcoin wallet, and, and not their face, obviously, but they took a picture of a Bitcoin wallet, and in the background, you could see the North Korean capital. And so the point was that Bitcoin has gotten into North Korea. Um, it, it was a paper, so I don't think it was even a phone, but somebody had just gone to North Korea on a trip or whatever, taken some Bitcoin wallets over there or whatever, and so you don't need a, uh, you don't need a, a, a phone even to, tr I'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. The idea is that even North Korea, with their vast amounts of technological absence, um, managed to, to still get some Bitcoin into the country. So, um, China also has a had a for the longest time, and I don't know if they've commented on it recently, but China for a long time had a negative view on um, Bitcoin. There was a lot of concern and some price fluctuation because China came out against Bitcoin, but that never stopped any of the Chinese from mining it or using it. Like that was, they just they couldn't do anything about it really, even with the Great Firewall and all that. So, um, I don't. So yeah, I don't think. There's hypothetically a government could shut it down. The United States, the NSA could shut it down. Hypothetically, I don't think that would uh, get them anything, and all you'd wind up with is Bitcoin 2.0. So yeah, it would go somewhere else, right? From that yeah. standpoint, in, in a situation where the U.S. economy implodes, and you know we, I think we're a ways away from that. But just to say it does, yeah. is it even tied to the U.S. economy? So if our if the U.S. economy plummets. Does it go away as well when when that happens and we have you know we have uh, anarchy and Mad Max? No, which most by of the way, the newest Mad Max movie. If that's what it's going to look like, maybe that's not such a bad thing. A guy <laughs> playing a guitar through the whole uh, attack scene, pretty cool. Take your take your own soundtrack with you. I thought that was pretty cool. But U.S. economy implodes. Bitcoin stay around. 
yeah, most of the mining is currently done in uh, um, in China. So I um, so that goes to some conspiracy theories about you know are they just kind of sucking more money out of us type thing. But um, there are large mining operations in the United States as well. But electrical costs, electricity costs, is your uh, the the factor there. So um, they have a lot more availability of cheap labor and cheap electricity, I assume. So. I imagine electricity would be more of a function of it than labor at that point, right? Unless it's because yeah. once you turn these things on, right. they, yes. the, the machines have to run the, yep. run the piece. But, yep. but cheap electricity, certainly, or regulated electricity, because the value is in what it costs to actually make them, right? This is, this is where it's different than gold. You can't make gold, right? Well, people have tried, but you can't. Uh, here we're making the currency in a lot of ways, right? And the value is the price of the electricity that went into making it, right? Am I, am I okay in saying that? You squirm every time I say that. Uh, um, I, yeah, I think making money has is, is gotten a bad rap, and that's not maybe a misnomer yeah. or yeah, yeah. negatively too much. But I, um, you are uncovering, if you will, just like you're mining gold. You talked about the parallels earlier. Yeah. You're uncovering what is already there written into the code. Right. You are just turning over the dirt to get to the next yeah. layer, basically. Yeah, you're working for it, so there's yeah. value. There's value yeah. in that. Now, there's something else on that real quick is that yeah. also that hardware. A lot of it is manufactured in China, so one, they get it right off the production line, and two, they probably don't pay any markup on it, and so we're shipping. So we, where we could not get that equipment because it had to come from them, well, they were sitting there mining with it, so they didn't want to sell it. So that's part of also why it's over in China, is because that's where the equipment was manufactured. To a large degree. Yeah. Um, what about, so there's a question, Ken had a question in chat about distribution of Bitcoins. So when we think about, there's 14 million Bitcoins out there, do we have a sense of how they're distributed around the world? Is one person holding them all? You know, those kinds of things? There's approximately 937 people that are holding most of them, according to what I've read, and that's, I don't know if that number is, but obviously if it's a public ledger, you can see what wallets have the most uh, the largest balances, and so you, if you know who that person is, you know how much money they have essentially at any given point. So there is a small number of people that do own a, a large uh, quantity. Um, it is what it is. That's, uh, but at the end of the day, if the uh, um, the value is such where you owning a small portion makes you rich if you're in the middle of Africa, then I'd rather have a small portion in the middle of Africa than ha and who cares if some guy has, you know. A thousand bitcoins because I've got my one bitcoin that's worth ten thousand dollars. I'm richer than all my neighbors. So yeah, and uh, just and it, just so as people are listening, it's interesting watching the chat room as we're talking about this. This is the most conversation I've had in the chat room in a while, which is <laughs> awesome, by the way. We've uh, we've obviously hit some folks in in here. Uh, when when we think about um, the value, I just lost my question. Shoot, let's talk about miners though, real quick. You had mentioned that. We'd mentioned there's miners. Are there miners here in the United States that are doing? Because we can't mine it on our PC desktops anymore. Those days are done. You got to have kind of some specialized equipment to get it done. Where's that being done at? Besides China. Um, so there, from what I understand, there was some cheap electricity in uh, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and a couple other kind of random towns you wouldn't expect. You know, certain states, I guess, it probably varies by regulation. Um, you know, you look at if, if Omaha or if Nebraska is 10 cents, you can get it for Iowa for 7 cents. Um, some things even come into play because I was looking into this for a while, but things come into play where, you know, you're moving to a, a building complex or a business complex rather than a residential complex. It's cheaper, more expensive based on that. You also have um, how much you're going to be buying, obviously. So if you're buying, you know, 
20 megawatts or whatever the I don't remember the the calculations nowadays, then you're going to get it cheaper. Um, so the there are the cheapest or the lo the closest uh, mining operation I've heard of of any scale is uh, uh, was in Kansas City, but I do know there are some in Omaha as well. They're doing it on a smaller scale. So okay. So just not everybody's doing at this point. It's fairly that's it's right. Well, you want to talk about use cases or what what is coming in the future? So there is a company that was backed by um, you know I'll plug my conference here, but we're having a we're having a financial technology conference in October, and uh, it's digital economy is the name of it, and it's digitaleconomy.io. So all that to say, there was a um, there's there's an amazing amount of money that has gone into financial technology um, venture capital that is being um, uh, uh, spent on on financial technology. Twelve billion dollars um, was, I believe, last year was twelve billion dollars. That was uh, up three hundred percent from the year before. A large part of that was Bitcoin. Um, so, so some of the stuff we're going to talk about at the conference. But Andreessen Horowitz is one of the leading venture capitalists, and they've 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 done very well in their investments, um, and so Andreessen Horowitz has a company. They essentially spun up a company called Twenty One Inc. So it's Two One Inc. And uh, that company, their goal, stated purpose, is to put uh, chips. Um, you know, if you go to your, if you look at your cell phone, you know, you've got that Qualcomm sticker on there sometimes, or you've got a GPS chip in there. Their stated purpose is to put a essentially a, a mining chip into each of your devices in your house so that you are at any given time continually mining in small increments. That's the idea I get from what they've talked about. They just came out of stealth. but um, So the idea is that everybody could potentially mine at some point if they wanted to. It's just a basic function of what they do to um, with their household electricity at any given point. So just I don't know what that's going to look like, but your your cell phone could be mining Bitcoin in the future um, in order to make you money while you're using it, basically, or while you're not using it. So yeah, yeah, just in the in the background. And so, what makes this this? I mean, because is it the complex algorithm that makes this uncrackable? I mean, what? Why can't I just duplicate? You know, why can't I duplicate it? Why can't I create Bitcoins myself that replicate? Uh, you know, it's sure it's going to take me some time, but I guess that defeats the whole purpose, right? I mean, if I'm, gonna, I might as well just generate real ones, right? If so, I'm going to, you know, how does that so, work? So it is going to. What happens is, if somebody solves the Bitcoin algorithm in nine minutes, the system basically self-adjusts so that the next one takes ten minutes, hmm. and so it will always. That's why you get twenty-one forty because it's always going to be a steady state of release in in Bitcoin. So that being said. In order for, you know, you think of, I mean, they're literally in server racks. They've got four CPUs or whatever number of CPUs, um, and this big box, uh, that's how, that is how hard that is. That, that, even that machine is not going to necessarily crack it in 10 minutes, but of the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of miners out there, one of them will crack it. So that's how complex it really yeah. is. So. Yeah, interesting. I think if you want to... This is one of those topics. If you really want to know how it's done behind yes. the scenes, there's just some there's some great information. I watched some yes. YouTube videos on it as well. Probably yes. not something we're going to solve here. The I do want to talk about the practical part of it, right? When you t you talked about you mentioned Jones Brothers cupcakes, right? Which yes. is a just a delightful place here in Omaha, <laughs> right? They got great coffee and they have even better cupcakes, and it's a it's an Omaha, right? That's a local Omaha. That's 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 original to us, right? I, I, I think, right? They're not, yep. 
why Bitcoin, right? Why would they take, that seems silly, right? I mean, why would they take Bitcoin for cupcakes and coffee? Um, a few reasons. They, um, uh, and, and one of the things that people have uh, spoken on is the fact that retailers, it was a lot of high, like it gained them uh, some marketing or some publicity for a while. And then, you know, after that, there's really no reason to do it after you get the publicity. That's not Bill Jones as the owner there. That's not certainly not his intention. Um, he he understands the some of the some of the political and the uh, libertarian aspects of it. And uh, uh, from my understanding and spending time with him, and so he, um, I mean, that's essentially what you know. He sees the bigger picture. He's very technologically savvy, and so he he gets that this could be something that is in the future more widely used. Yeah, and the, and the libertarian aspect of it—that's a, a thought, an idea here in the United States that we have, that that around the world, the idea of getting the government out of, getting it out of the out of the way, right? Less yeah. is better from that yeah. standpoint. Yeah. And yeah. so that fits with this idea of currency that's not necessarily controlled by the government. Right? Correct. Yes. And, and and not even controlled by the government. You start to think about why do we fight wars? We fight wars over money and oil. And so then you then it becomes you hear frequently the idea of taking the politics out of money because then you deal with you know all sorts of things, elections, all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff. That if it's not if it's not held in certain hands, you can't change the interest rate on it. Then that that changes the conversation when you when it comes time to vote and fight. So. Yeah, and I agree with that. Except for Putin, he just apparently just wants the Ukraine. So there's neither <laughs> oil nor there's nothing good there. Leave that alone. A, <laughs> it's terrible. They have, a, they have a port to the ocean, which that's true. That's yeah. true. But Russia has plenty of it. Yeah. To the ocean. <laughs> it's, a, it's just one of those crazy. We'll we'll talk politics here for just a second. So um, uh, let's see. What else should I? So. You talked a little bit about your conference, right? Uh, and let's let's talk about that here for just a second more. Who goes to these and why? What's what? You know, certainly, Bitcoin is a part of the big new digital world when we talk about the digital economy. Who's going to those? How big is it? It's here in Omaha, but why would they go? So the reason it's in, in Omaha, I'm obviously located here, but but I think that Omaha has been uh, overlooked to some degree. We have obviously we've kind of. I think the problem is that we provide the infrastructure that everybody else rides on, and so we are not sexy. We are just kind of sitting behind the scenes, and so. But we have the innovation. We have the entrepreneurs here, and so, um, you know, you go to a Money 2020 in Las Vegas, and you, you know, that's all the ritzy, glamorous companies there. But in the meantime, we're sitting here with ACI Worldwide, CSG, um, obviously TD Ameritrade, and First Data, um, and those types of companies, D3 Banking, that are kind of running. A large portion of things in, in terms of payment processing. So I think Omaha is a logical choice for that we should be positioning ourselves as one of those players because we already are one of those players. Um, and so I think so. So we are. This is not going to be uh, specifically about Bitcoin. This is going to be about any sort of financial technology. There's a company out of Kansas, for example, that does um, essentially. The idea is that they do. Kickstarter, so you could donate fifty dollars via Kickstarter. Their alternative, or the way they they do that same thing, is that you can provide four dollars per month recurring, or one dollar per month recurring, and then you don't have to put out fifty dollars at one time and then just walk away from the deal. You can. There's a, it's, the company's called Recurrency, and I think that's one of the one of the cooler things that we're going to talk about is this crowdfunding, how it's being done, peer-to-peer -peer lending, uh, talking about compliance and security. Um, so uh, 
yeah, so it's going to be all all sorts of topics looking at having CPAs and accountants and um, banks um, and app developers there to all kind of talk about what they're doing and and there are things that are specific to the financial industry that that you don't necessarily uh, uh, get to hear about it at some of the other venues around town. So yeah, very cool. Could this from chat? Could someone come up with their own? I mean, could this be recreated in some way? If someone was going to decide, yeah. hey, I'm going to do my own Bitcoin thing. I'm going to call it something else, Good and then question. could it start all over? Um, so it has. There's there are a lot of coins out there that they've basically taken. This is Bitcoin. We're going to copy the code because it's on GitHub, and we're going to start our own Bitcoin. Uh, and so then you name it Edward Coin. And you say, "Hey, I want I've some got Jim coin." <laughs> yeah, you could. So I'll give you two scenarios here. One is uh, Citibank has created their own coin. Uh, uh, BNY Mellon, another huge bank, uh, created their own coin. And you think about it. Once again, we're talking about transmitting money overseas. There's advantages to them doing that instead of trying to have their own internal uh, regulatory system. Um, but then also uh, BNY Mellon, their, their, their stated purpose, why they did it was to incentivize their employees internally uh, to create a reward system that I don't know what you get with one BNY coin, but their idea was that they just made this thing so it gives their employees a chance to play with a virtual currency and also earn points for making recommendations and stuff like that. So there are there are so Citibank has Citicoin that they who knows what they're going to do with. And I've got a list of other um, the other some of the other banks are BBVA and uh, USAA. Um, who else did I mention here? And then the Nasdaq obviously has gotten involved with Bitcoin as well. They're um, Currently, they have a beta platform that they are running on uh, a blockchain, which is the general ledger, which is Bitcoin. Um, they're running a, a, uh, a blockchain in order to start playing around with how people would trade on, uh, on a blockchain. So they have essentially done their own version as well. So if the blockchain is a general ledger where everything's kept track of, but totally open, anybody can see anything at any time, right? That's Correct. the whole idea, totally open. Okay. When I'm at uh, when I'm at Coinbase, they have this stat of on the blockchain, so they have the number of daily transactions that are happening, okay. and they have a stat of on and off the blockchain. What does off the blockchain mean? Um, so when we talk about network traffic and the fact that Bitcoin could potentially someday become uh, busy, if you will. There are a couple scenarios or hypotheses on how that should be resolved or worked around. And one of them is this idea of what's called side chains. And what you're basically doing is, I'll try to figure this out. You're so if this is the if this is Bitcoin, it's just chugging along. What you're doing is essentially you're taking, hopping off of there. So you say off the chain. That's a side chain. Doing some transactions and re-injecting those transactions back into the system. And so you can process these a lot faster. Um, if you think about when you're doing payment processing, we use a company called BitPay. And so when, you do, um, when you're doing a BitPay transaction, you're operating essentially for a brief period of time because you trust them, you're operating inside of BitPay's infrastructure so they can control who has the dollars and who has the bitcoins and then at the end of the day that all has to line back up with the blockchain as a whole in order for any of those transactions to be legitimized so that's I don't have technically I couldn't tell you how it works but that's the concept of a side chain oh, or an off the chain yeah interesting yeah let's talk a little bit about coinbase because I just set up an account right before we started the show I was getting prepped for this and and I was watching the video that you made and you talked about coinbase and so I'm like oh let me check this out and when I set up an account literally in about 15 seconds I mean it's 
It's not. I now. I I admit, admitted to you. I have not attached anything to it yet. Right. I don't have a bank account. And I'm not. To be honest with you, I'm not afraid at this point. It, should I should I be afraid? I mean, when did the, there's there's been talks of shenanigans when we think about, yeah. you know, when we think about Bitcoin. Are those days over? And why are they over? Why is it better today than it was two years ago, when things were getting hacked and there were some questions about Bitcoin's processes? So I'll I'll classify the shenanigans into two types. One, you've got the malicious actors who are truly acting malicious, and then you've got the malicious actors that just make dumb mistakes and they get hosed. So the 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 bad guys, the bad bad guys are the ones that are out there saying I'm selling Edward coin or I'm selling you I'm holding your bitcoin, give me a thousand dollars and I'll hold you some bitcoin and then we'll be all good, we'll settle up in ten years when it's worth a whole lot of money. That's just a Ponzi scheme. That's not what we're talking about. So those guys are they, you hear about the arrests on occasion. I mean, nowadays it's becoming more common, but you hear about the arrests every so often. So one of the things that we um, set out to do with Alpha Bitcoin, my company, is that we were going to not uh, do anything except Bitcoin, basically. And so, uh, so, so we are we have been solely focused on Bitcoin, despite the fact that there are hundreds of other what you hear referred to as altcoins, ALT, an altcoin is the copies of Bitcoin like we talked about. And they're legitimate. They have value, but, they, um, but they're not Bitcoin. That's the original, and that's um, the most valuable at this point yeah, as far as a market cap. So uh, the other one is the, 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 act, the people who just make stupid decisions, such as I mentioned to you, Bitstamp. Uh, they lost $5 million about um, I don't know, three months back, four months back, uh, because what happened was, so when I have Bitcoin, I own it on my phone. Like I said, it's money for adults. So if I lose my phone, if I haven't taken a backup of that wallet, I'm hosed. So, um, so the the idea is that Bitstamp essentially they had their cell phone, what's called a hot wallet, which is where they were doing all of their exchanging. They really they didn't have the right security in place for that hot wallet, and so somebody uh, hacked into their system, took that money out before they could stop it. They eventually cut on, stopped it. What they did the next day was um, partnered with a company, I mentioned this before, I think it was partnered with a company that essentially puts the security measures in place to stop that from happening again. And so now, basically, you, you hear them called uh, multi-sig wallets, and I'm, I'm part of one, I'm only a part of one, but the one I'm a part of has 15 parties involved in it, and so 12 of those 15 people have to approve a transaction before it's going to happen. Which sounds kind of silly, but it is what it is. We'll see if, if what, what happens with it. Um, it's so, it's like dual factor authentication, taken yeah. to the nth degree, right? Correct. Like, yes. Hey, we're yeah. not going to just let up all of a sudden a big amount of money is going to get transferred. That everybody should know, right? right. At that point, that's going to happen. Interesting. So you, so you can do that same thing for stocks. So you have a company. You can set your board. You could have just one coin per person. You've got a board of 12 members. You have to, in order to make a decision, you've got to get six of those people in there to, to, to authenticate with their code. And so you really could not make a decision unless you had the right uh, majority. Anyway, so that's a Bitstamp. The, the security is out there. The systems are out there. Like I said, the backup of my phone is available to me, readily available to me. It's a matter of am I going to choose to use it properly and, and not... Uh, not put myself at risk. 
Yeah, because the physical numbers matter, right, on the money. This is Correct. where, like, you've got a copy of that number. That's like having a dollar bill in your pocket. Yep. And mm -hmm. also, so paper wallets, we mentioned this, is that there was a guy in North Korea that was holding up a paper wallet, and that's what they are. They're paper wallets. All it is is a QR code. There are, well, there are two QR codes essentially associated with it. So if you go to the, uh, the Bitcoin ATM at Jones Brothers, you can put dollars in, and if you don't have a wallet on your phone, all it does is print out a piece of paper with a public key and a private key. And the private key is the one that you don't let anybody see because if they see that, they have access to your bank account. So you give the public key out when you want people to send you money and you keep the private key in your safe somewhere and then it's and then it's your money. And it's, yeah. Yeah. That's that's basic encryption when we, when we talk about yeah. what we do on the web. It's the same idea. It's just applied to money. Yeah, yep, very cool. Exactly. Kenan asked a question, going back to those other companies, what do you think the future of those other coins are, those other companies, when we think about, you know, do you, ha do you, ha do you have an opinion on, are they going to stay around? So, so Coinbase is backed by, and I believe Andreessen Horowitz got involved with, Bitcoin, uh, with uh, Coinbase, the USDA, and uh, I think it was NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, all backed Coinbase. So to your point, they're, they're not going anywhere. They're based out of California. They're not going anywhere. They have millions of dollars behind them. And so Coinbase not. is really the best average guy. When we, th when we think about yeah. the average guy, if you yeah. were going to dabble in Bitcoin, yep. go in eyes wide open, yep. uh, you would you, you would recommend Coinbase. I would, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you want to really get into it and own your own money and keep the government out of your pockets, then I would, you know, there are other wallets that you could sign up for, and then you could be a little more private. So those are your alternatives. Because Coinbase is like the bank, in that yeah, sense. Yeah, it's right? fairly they're keeping, Yeah, they're keeping all those bits for you yep. and allowing you to do transactions. Can I take if I if I have a Coinbase account? Can I go buy something at Jones Brothers? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. So there's, a, there's a wallet, there's an app for your phone, and then you can go and just transact that way. Um, but they are very, they're very, they're fairly close with the government, and they're, uh, so if the government came knocking, they would probably turn over your money type thing, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so not necessarily the democratization of money in that Correct. case? No, okay. no, no. I'm just warning you. I'm just saying. No, that's, that's good. That's why I have you on, right? Because I, there's, a, there's a third party involved. Bitcoin right. inherently, you can own your money, and you can do what you want with it, but... To, in order to gain some things like convenience, it's a free market. And so you have to use, or you choose to use something like a Coinbase, you're choosing to sacrifice yeah. other things. So could I go completely, okay. I mean, how would I go completely, if I want to go all well, out? The, let me, the, let, me the answer the, yeah. let me answer the altcoin question. Yeah. What do I think will happen? I think they serve purposes. So there's one called, which I don't even think is, is really in existence yet, but there's one called Potcoin. So you deal with people who are going to buy pot. That becomes the currency, basically, of the state of Colorado because that's how all of the uh, dispensaries and growers and stuff like that are all going to know to use Potcoin for whatever reason because it's whatever. They could use Bitcoin too. but So they use Potcoin and that becomes an own little economy within Colorado. Same thing with Africa. you got a village where you've got, no, better example would be that, the, uh, I don't remember what tribe it is, but there's a uh, it's, anyways, there's a Indian tribe or Native American tribe in the United States and they created something called Mazacoin and Mazacoin is fairly popular actually. There, I believe it gets some use and Mazacoin is essentially now the currency of that tribe and so now they've got a an economy within their tribe that they don't they can buy and trade things without having to go out to deal with the dollar and that, you know they've got a little uh, subculture there going. 
So um, I think altcoins serve a purpose. Um, I don't. I I think you know it's it's you got to learn a lot. It's risky. You don't know. You know it could disappear tomorrow. It often does disappear tomorrow. But you know Mazacoin I'd be fine with. Um, I I wouldn't mess with Potcoin, but Mazacoin I'd be fine <laughs> with. So so there are some that have been around them for a while, and there's enough money invested in them that they're not going anywhere. You've got enough miners then where you can't just one day they just up and go. So yeah. It's like, dude, where'd you put my coin? Yep. <laughs> can I can I live on Bitcoin? Um, no, are... not not. Can you live? What's okay. to to be pure? To be a purist on Bitcoin, in other words, to not use a oh, third okay. party. Gotcha. All right. What do I have to do? Um, there is a. Uh, you have to procure Bitcoin somehow. So that kind of, to some degree, requires either somebody else you know having Bitcoin or an exchange like a Coinbase. That's kind of the core of the market that Coinbase has. Now, I would say the best and easiest way, if you wanted to stay off the radar and and do um, and own some Bitcoin and, and own it for your own, there's a there's a uh, app on your phone called. If you're on iPhone, it's going to be called Bread Wallet, B E B R E A D, like Bread Wallet. I would use that for your iPhone. The other one is um, that I use is Mycelium, which is M Y C E L I U M, Mycelium. And then you have your money on your phone. You can back it up. Uh, you are in control of it. Then you have to procure Bitcoin somehow. Um, the easiest way would be to go to Jones Brothers Cupcakes and use the uh, Bitcoin ATM there. So I would go put some cash in the machine, buy yourself some Bitcoin, put it on your phone. You own that Bitcoin. You can do what you want with it. You can put it on a paper wallet and stick it in your safe and not look at it for 100 years until you're rich or do whatever you want. So that, that's the purest way of, of owning Bitcoin. Okay. Or you can, I mean, you could call literally. I mean, if you didn't want to go to the Jones Brothers, that's fine. Call me um, and, and we'll work out. A, I'll sell you some Bitcoin. You send me some money and we'll be good to go. Yeah, so your company, we haven't talked um, too much about that, but give us, you, you mentioned it at the beginning, you mentioned it a couple times, so what are you guys doing? I mean, if, if I were, if, how, why would I need you? What would, what would you do for me as a, as a consumer? Sure. Um, so when we're talking about consulting, dealing with you know uh, accounting firms and uh, stuff like that, education um, uh, to kind of what some of the stuff you and I are talking about here. So if somebody wanted to have us out for a seminar or something like that at their business, um, that would be something that we would do. Uh, in regards to uh, the retail side of things, so we're uh, we're basically. Um, uh, evangelist for Bitcoin, if you will, and trying to encourage businesses to adopt it. On the tail end, we, um, if somebody chooses to adopt it, there is a small, albeit not as much as like credit card processing, but there is a small transaction fee that we would acquire a piece of if you decided to start taking Bitcoin um, at your at your uh, uh, company. So, in in the ideal world, we would have somebody like in Omaha Sticks call us up and say, "Hey, uh, we'd like to start taking Bitcoin online." We would get a minute piece of that of each of those transactions and so that's kind of why we um, that's kind of one of the main you'd set them up so they could take yep. Yep. they could take Bitcoin and, and I'll add this one like you found it's very easy to do and two I would say maybe not as easy like it's like a stripe but a lot easier than your traditional uh, payment processing Bitcoin is just a few lines of code copy and paste and you've got 12 year olds in their basement who can now get into e-commerce with no no requirements, no overhead. So, you know, you're talking about kids doing Minecraft in elementary school. Now they can do make money on their Minecraft games and not, don't have to have a credit card or bank account or anything like that. Yeah, goes through Bitcoin. 
again, backed up by the system that's around it. So I think yep. if you're going to get into something like this, go in eyes wide open. It's a little bit, I mean, it's not quite, I wouldn't say it's quite the wild, wild west, but it, it might be the frontier, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Still, still a little dangerous, still some shady characters, although, I mean, every system has that, right? I mean, you can, right, there, there were Ponzi schemes going on long before Bitcoin came into existence, and lots of people have made a lot of people lose a lot of money in a lot of other ways. So you talk about right. Bitstamp losing $5 million. If you compare that to what the banking system loses in malicious ways and just like, I mean, you know, BNP, even even the, the stuff where, um, I can't remember who it was, but recently they got the, the court case finally settled or whatever it was, the, the, um, the ruling against them where they were sending money to Iran and such through uh, Switzerland, I believe it was. You know, there, there are bad actors uh, in the banking system, believe it or not, as well. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, that $5 million might be a daily amount of fraud that goes on in credit card yeah. companies every day, right? Yeah. We we took a vacation here just a couple weeks ago, and I uh, I got an email. Uh, hey, your card, you know, it's not looking right. Can you give us a call? And and they were smart enough. They they were doing the fraud here in town. You know how sometimes it happens out of town, and they immediately pick it up. But this was here in town, and uh, they got one transaction through. It immediately got refunded, but it it that was you know it happens all the time new credit cards you know new number yep. Yep. all that stuff goes on so interesting edward anything else that i didn't cover that we're we're a little bit over but yeah. anything else that i didn't cover that like i should have so the eyes wide open i would just say you know when you lose your you know if you have your whatever your computer gets hacked and you lose 100 bitcoins there there is no appeals process in that so that that is your money you, if you want to call me and complain, you can, but I, I can't do anything for you. So this this is your money, and, and just gotta you gotta it's know like that losing cash, right? It's yes. cash. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, Edward, thank you for taking an hour ago so fast. I told I you know. to, we'd have no problem <laughs> filling that up. Uh, yep. I'm going to continue to take a look at Coinbase here. This just is kind of interesting. I they've actually got some really good looking charts and graphs of information that's going on out there. I mean, on the front page. I can see the price since July 23rd, must be of last year. You know, $611 last year at this time. 277 is changing, uh, <laughs> even as the podcast has been going on. 277. This is Coinbase. Why is Coinbase 277 and we were 276 just a few minutes ago when we were over on the exchange or? Oh, there, the, yeah. There is yeah. a markup. There is a. I believe it's one percent fee. So you're gonna. Um, the cheapest you're gonna find out there really is point uh, zero five or point five percent. I believe. But um, so they charge one percent as. Essentially, it's like we talked about. You pay five dollars to trade on Ameritrade or ten dollars. So you're you're paying for their exchange services. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, uh, Edward, thank you for taking a few minutes to come on. A very interesting discussion. I'm sure it's gonna create. I mean, it, it created some. A little bit of controversy in the chat room as we were talking, which is good, right? If you're not creating some controversy, uh, you're not doing your job. And uh, just when I got a, a chance to interview you, you know, a couple months ago, I thought, man, this is this is awesome stuff because I don't think the average guy thinks about Bitcoin all that much. And to me, it seems to be out of it, the baby phase. It's still kind of crawling, right? I mean, we're we're not. I don't know if it's walking yet. In a lot of ways, there's there's spots like Jones Brothers and you know some other things that are taking it on the coast. It's probably a little more common. I've seen Bitcoin in other places that 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 are taking, and I know there's some. I know Dell takes it as yep. a as a, a form of yep. payment. 
Um, there's a couple Zappos, I think, does it as well. There's a couple other big retailers. Is Amazon taking it yet? They do not. They have. Okay. Uh, I don't believe they've made any. Um, Putin. You mentioned Russia earlier. Putin made yeah. a, a neutral comment about it the other day. So it was not. They used to be. Uh, they used to be against Bitcoin, and they are coming around. Um, and then also, Rand Paul takes Bitcoin for uh, p- uh, campaign contributions. And uh, and then finally, I would say you're talking about infancy and Wild West, but but. I mentioned in my presentation at Infotech that, that HTTP, I don't remember the numbers now, but HTTP was eventually basically invented back in like 80s or 70s or something like that. 70s, yeah. And the internet didn't come around until the 90s, based, you know, as far as mass adoption. Yeah, 90, so, 95 for the most part, yeah. So we're only six years into what was, you know, a 20-year process to get to AOL. Um, and so that's the comparison in the adoption uh, timeline. Well, if you're in Bitcoin now, and, and now would be the time, by the way. It's the lowest it's been, and it's, it's, it's coming back, right? We saw about a 211 dip is probably the low yep. of, in this modern era. 270-something today, right? It's starting, to, it's starting to crawl its way back. Or move appropriately, I think is what you would say, right? It's from a value standpoint. Um, either 30 years from now, everybody who got in and invested in it will be laughing their way to the bank, like going, sucka, right, kind of thing, or it won't have worked, right, or it'll just have been marginal, you know, I think from, from that standpoint, and that's like anything, right, I mean, I remember, like like you said, I remember in the 90s when the internet was questionable, or remember those early Christmases when Amazon was selling stuff, and all these stats were coming out, and it's like, you can buy all this stuff online, and people are like, I don't know, buy it online, i got to yeah. give them my credit card. Well, shoot, yeah. all that is gone, right? Yeah. I mean, Amazon with one click, and the way I can even reorder something off my Amazon Echo, and yep. so it's one of those kinds of things. Well, Edward, right. again, thanks for coming out. I'm going to let you go so you can go home to your family. I'm going to stay on here for a few minutes. I've got some housekeeping to do with these guys and, uh, and the listeners. So, Edward, you can drop out, but thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll have to meet back up again. Since you're in town, yeah. we'll have to meet back up again and check, it, check in with you maybe six months to a year All and right. get an update on what's going on with Bitcoin. All right. Thank you very All much. Right. Thanks, Edward. Thanks for coming out tonight. I appreciate it. All right, guys. I uh, want to go through. I haven't, every time I have to do like a solo podcast, let me, let me make sure that the, uh, the, the camera is in the right position when we get uh, back over there. Um, every time I got to do a solo podcast, it's really odd because I, uh, I never do solo podcasts. Um, Ken, you had asked a question a ways back. So basically, uh, are there any of them worth mining again? I think Edward would have said in that some of the uh, anything but Bitcoin, probably not. A lot of them are in private systems. That one and the, the Indian one, maybe, but it's a whole different system. Bitcoin today, no, you can't mine them and really do what you used to do with it. Those days are done, so it's becoming a more solid system from that standpoint. I don't know. I'm neither endorsing this nor saying it's it's a great thing or a bad thing, right? I just I, when I interviewed Edward at uh, at Infotech 2015, I just found it very interesting, and I just thought I'm trying to bring new content to you, the listener. Uh, that that you're not getting other places. And I'm not hearing this conversation go on uh, in a lot of circles. So it's just one of those kinds of things. I thought, hey, let's spend a Thursday night on it and uh, and see how it goes. So I hope you uh, you enjoyed that. I did tell you I'd have a call in here. And uh, I, we got a call this week from Kyle. And let me, uh, let me bring that up and uh, let me play uh, Kyle's call. Hey, Jim, this is Kyle. I just want to leave a message about the uh, mobile payment conversation you were having on the recent podcast. And um, I do use the uh, 
uh, Google Wallet. Um, before that, I was using the Sauce Card uh, Wallet. They were actually giving you a dollar back on every purchase, which was kind of convenient because, uh, I mean, that made the dollar menu at McDonald's basically free, but they stopped that. And um, now it's, it's all rolled into the Google Wallet, so I'm using that. And I've actually found um, PayPal to be pretty convenient as well. Certain places will accept PayPal. It's not They don't have the, the kind of tap-and-pay thing set up. But um, they, I forget, it's like some kind of weird barcode or you enter a PIN code or something. And so it's not super, um, you know, seamless as a process, but it was really useful when I was at AutoZone and I forgot my wallet. I was actually able to, uh, you know, use PayPal right on my phone um, since I didn't have my wallet with me um, and got that done without having to drive home and get my wallet. So I appreciated that convenience in that way. So, um, yep, uh, good conversation about mobile wallets. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting conversation to say the least. We had that last week. So if you go back to 222, Mike and I spent some time, Gallup did some surveys on the mobile wallet. And I don't want to compare the mobile wallet to Bitcoin from that standpoint. I mean, it does have to do with money, but it's interesting. The adoption for that has been very slow. And so it'll be interesting to see if we are able, if that picks up as well uh, to, to Edward's point, you know, the internet, it took the internet a while to get going. I think some of these mobile payment systems will also take, um, you know, take a while to get going. And, you know, it's one of those things, I, you know, back to the Bitcoin thing real quick. I, I'm, I'm a little tempted. I'll be honest. I'm a little tempted. I opened that account at Coinbase and I'm a little tempted to just maybe drop 25 bucks a month in there and see what happens. I mean, if it's, if it's going to move and if it catches on, what's 25 bucks a month, you know, it's not that much. And uh, might be interesting if that thing would grow into something, make it kind of a part of a portfolio. If it goes away, oh, that kind of hurts. 25 bucks a month for a year. It's a little bit of coin, you know, when you think about it that way. So I don't know. Uh, certainly from that standpoint, uh, you got to come to your own conclusion. You guys are saying it was a good 75 minutes in the chat. So I, uh, I hope you, and as a listener, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as well. A couple of reminders coming up, of course. Home Service Show Meetup is coming up very, very quickly. Uh, before you know it, it's going to be September 12th, and we're getting together in Indianapolis for a weekend. Some of you have contacted me and said you're going to be there, so it's going to be awesome. I'm going to get to meet some new folks, and I'm looking forward to it. I'll be getting there Friday night, and we'll be doing Saturday the 12th, and then stay around for Waffle House on Sunday. That is our tradition. You have to stay for Waffle House. That's the, that's the best part of the weekend. You don't want to miss that at all. And so uh, I'll have a link to the, to the official link that uh, we'll get you all the information for it, but we'd love to have you come out. Looks like it'll be a little bit smaller of a group this time. So if you'd like to join us, uh, head out to the show notes. Like I said, I've improved the show notes a little bit over time. So theaverageguy.tv uh, uh, slash, this one will be HGG, Home Gadget Geeks, HGG223. You can go right to the show notes and get that done. I did. Do, do, do you know I did that for you guys? Do you know you can go to any of our shows straight off just by going to theaverageguy.tv slash and then put the show name. CF for Cyber Frontiers, HGG for Home Gadget Geeks, and then the show number. In this case, 220, what am I, 223? 223 tonight, and uh, you'll go right to the show notes, and you can do that. A couple of you have been signing up for the newsletter. That still is available. It always is available. In fact, if you want to get the newsletter at any time, you can go out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. Uh, but if you want to sign up for it, all the links are out there to get that done there, get it done. And uh, the last one I wrote was kind of special, so you might want to go out and take a peek at it. I also found out over the, it takes a while, I have to say things like seven or eight times before some of you guys do it. And so I, so I keep repeating these just so you don't forget and you head out and get that done as well. I thank you and appreciate the work that you've done to support us from the theaverageguy.tv 
Tech Scholarship Fund. Of course, you can find that at theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. I appreciate when you let me know you do that as well. It's always nice to do that. We turn those. Recently, I've been turning those into, um, into reviews for myself because none of you have been taking me up on my offer for the most part. We did the Moho Leaf 50 uh, uh, antenna. I just wrote that up and put it out at the averageguy.tv. So if you want to see my review of that antenna, uh, I picked that up and gave that a try. There's some other things. Oh, I just picked up uh, um, I just picked up the lights for the Amazon Echo. So I, I picked up some Philips Hue Lux lights, just the white ones. Uh, they dim. They're dimmable, though, and I connected those to the Echo. Um, I just got that done and working. I've been posting that at the Facebook group. So if you're not a part of the Facebook group yet, join us out, facebook.com slash group slash The Average Guy. I think they say The Average Guy TV, I think is what that is. And uh, and so we talked about that. I know some of you have been doing uh, have been doing that, and uh, I would put two lights in a – comes with a little uh, – how do they call it? The hub, and then it, we can run multiple lights. It came with two. And, uh, and so, but thank you for supporting the fun. I'll write that up and we'll talk about that some more when we talk about the echo. If you haven't been out to the know it guy, you might want to head out there as well. And, uh, you can do that, um, just by uh, going to the know it guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not the know it guy. It's know it guy. K N O W I T G U I know it guy.com. All the know it guides have moved out to there. So we have a windows 10, know it guide, a windows eight, know it guide, an Amazon, know it guide and a cloud storage. I'm going to continue to write those, uh, know it guides. As we go along, so head out to the new site, knowitguy.com, if you want to check those out. Ken is asking in chat, do, can we do a review of a TV calibration tool? Yeah, why not? If you want to do that, buy the tool, write it, I'll buy it for it. Depends how much it costs. It's We try to keep those around 100 bucks. That's kind of what I try to do when I buy them and, and review them. And so about 100 bucks. And um, when the funds become available, I buy that for you, ship it to you, you write it up. Yeah, you can come on the show and talk about it. Love to have you on the show. If you got a good mic and you, know, you want to come on and do it, I'll interview you in a 30-minute segment. Super easy to do. You guys are not taking me up enough on that. And uh, and so I've been doing some reviews just to kind of keep the reviews flowing through the site. That's good for the site SEO. Just to be honest, the more posts we get, the better. If you'd like to write, by the way, you don't have to get anything. If you've got stuff that you want to write or report on and it's kind of gadget related, uh, you you can be a guest writer. On our site, love to have you do that as well. Just one post, just do one. That's all I need. We got a couple thousand of you. If we got a, if we got one, and that's always good for the SEO, helps out the network. If you want to do that, let me know. Jim at theaverageguy.tv. One final reminder before we go that uh, I'm live every Saturday morning at uh, askthepodcastcoach.com, 9:30 Eastern. I'm sorry, 9:30 Central, 10:30 Eastern. So this Saturday, that is coming up as well. Dave Jackson and Ask the Podcast Coach. And uh, we spend some time together uh, just talking about podcasting. So if you're if you're thinking about podcasting, if you're a podcaster, if you're whatever, I'd uh, love to have you come out and listen absolutely free. You can call in uh, your, your questions if you want. And uh, we are live every Saturday morning, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern, out at askthepodcastcoach.com. First time to this show, I want to say thank you for making it all the way to this point. That's a pretty big deal to make it an hour and 20 minutes in and uh, you're probably one of the most engaged listeners we are live every thursday night 8 p.m central 9 eastern actually i gave edward the wrong time this he was ready at seven i felt really bad but eight o'clock central nine o'clock eastern out at the average guy.tv slash live i don't know how much of a post show there'll be i guess it'll depend on how many questions you guys asked me in the chat room because i got nobody <laughs> like there's nobody here to do it with but with that we'll say good night everybody